Hey there, welcome to the 102 Podcast. My name is Nathan. I'm a regional mobilizer with Greater Europe Mission. And today our episode is about why every believer is called to preach the gospel. We're going to read a lot of scripture. We're going to read a lot of references from people at the Center for Missions Mobilization, from the International Mission Board, from Donald Whitney's book, Spiritual Disciplines of the Christian Life. It's going to be amazing, and I pray that it convicts, that it encourages you to preach the gospel anywhere that your feet land. So let's start on why every believer is called to preach the gospel. So we're going to start with Donald Whitney's book, uh, The Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life, and this, this chapter is about evangelism. And so Jesus, we see that it's evident that he wants his disciples or his followers, we are his followers, right, to go and preach the gospel, okay? And he, and he emphasizes every nation because every nation didn't know the good news of his message. And so we see obviously in Matthew 28, let's just read it. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. In Mark 16, Jesus says, He said to them, Go into the world and proclaim the gospel or the good news to the whole creation. Jesus said to them in Luke 24, Repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem, because this good news cannot be proclaimed before the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And in John chapter 20, verse 21, Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so we see that our Savior, the King, Lord Jesus, King Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, who took sins away from the world, wants us to go and live on mission if we claim him as Lord and if we claim that we follow him, okay? And so I hear a lot of people say, I don't feel called to mission. Well, you're called to preach the gospel. You're called to proclaim the good news, okay? So let's read what Donald Whitney has to say about this. He says, these commands weren't given to the apostles only, For example, those of us in the United States can say that the apostles never came to this nation. For the command of Jesus to be fulfilled and for America to hear about Christ, the gospel had to come here by other Christians who understood that they too were charged with going to all nations. And the apostles will never come to your home, your neighborhood, or to the place where you work. For the great commission to be fulfilled in your home, for Christ to have a witness in your remote part of the earth, A Christian, like you, must discipline yourself to do it. Some Christians believe that evangelism is a gift and responsibility only of those with that gift. They appeal to the Ephesians 4, 11, verse 12 for support. He gave apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Okay, this is amazing. Listen to this next part. God does gift some for ministry as evangelists, but he calls all believers to be his witnesses and provides them with both the power to witness and a powerful message, meaning the gospel. Thus, while God calls every believer to be a witness, 
he calls only a few witnesses to the vocational ministry of an evangelist. Just as each Christian, regardless of spiritual gift or ministry, is to love others, so each believer is to evangelize whether or not his or her gift is that of an evangelist. Wow. The idea I'm trying to get across is that you don't need to have some out-of-body experience to be called to evangelize, to preach the gospel, okay? Jesus says to his followers, to his disciples, to preach this good news everywhere, okay? And so we, we, we are asked the question most of the time as kids, if we grow up in church or later on in life after we encounter the Lord and, and we cry out to him and he saves us, we are usually asked if we're called to ministry. So calling is unique. I understand that. Paul talks about it all throughout the New Testament. 1 Corinthians 7, for example, he talks about calling. But ministry is making disciples, okay? We're all called to make disciples and to make Jesus known in every nation all over the earth. And that starts with your neighbor. That can start with your family. It starts right where you are, okay? It starts today, okay? So the call to ministry is is the call to salvation, right? So when we're called to follow Christ, we are called now as an ambassador, like Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, an ambassador of the message of reconciliation, okay? So I was taught as a kid that God saves me so I can go to heaven and escape from hell. If that's what you've been taught, I'm sorry, but you've been lied to. That's not what the Bible is about. Yes, heaven is a reward, but I'm not accepting Christ just so I could escape hell. I've accepted Christ because I need help today and I wanna bring heaven to earth today, okay? God wants us to preach the message of reconciliation because we are ambassadors. And he, he obviously uses humanity because he redeemed humanity through his son, Jesus. So for example, I was working a summer camp and there was this big altar call experience. There was this big moment of salvation. It was about the third or fourth night, so emotions were high. Uh, people were really on fire for what God was doing in the moment. And so they gave a call to ministry and they said, everybody who feels called to ministry, go to the back of the church. And while I am for that, let's just break that down a little bit. When we we begin to separate the call to ministry, we, we begin to separate our duty as believers. So Jesus is Lord, he is commander, he's chief. He tells us to preach the message of reconciliation. He tells us to share the good news. And when we separate a quote-unquote ordinary job from a job in the church, we begin to put God in a box as if he can only work within the church, as if he can only work in a building. God is not limited to a building. God is everywhere. It's our awareness that needs to change. Since the Holy Spirit now resides in us according to 1 Corinthians 3, we are now, quote-unquote, a walking tabernacle, as John Piper says. The Holy Spirit lives within us. We are a walking temple. This is why Jesus came. According to Operation World and the Joshua Project, they tell us that 4 billion people do not have access to the gospel or do not know the gospel. This is why we preach the good news. This, so people like that can believe. Half the world does not have access 
or does not have knowledge of who Christ is. This is why we go, and this is why we start preaching the gospel today. I would like to continue by reading something from Go Mobilize from the Center of Missions Mobilization. On page four, it says, The Bible clearly calls all believers to use their talents and resources to further his mission. All are called. But how each believer lives this teaching depends on his or her skills, talents, gifts, and abilities. So I really, really, really like that because this is saying that you don't have to be a missionary. You don't have to be somebody in the church to preach the gospel. God gives us different talents. He gives us different gifts. He gives us different abilities. And we are to use those for the glory of God and his kingdom. And to the person who says, well, I don't have an education. I don't have knowledge of of who God is. I haven't read the whole Bible. I don't know scripture that well. I want to encourage you with with Acts chapter 4. Okay, this is verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. So basically a miracle just happened and Peter is explaining how it happened through the power of Christ. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone, verse 12. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Verse 13, I want, this, is, this, is the, this is the focal point right here. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter, this is the educated men, the Pharisees, the rulers, the elders, the high priest, Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and they perceived that they were uneducated men, common men, I love that, common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. So you listening, man or woman, if you feel like you're a common person with no purpose, if you believe that Jesus is the Messiah, if you believe that he died for salvation for the world to reconcile humanity to God, You are an ambassador for Christ, and you have the greatest purpose ever. You preach the message of reconciliation. You preach the gospel as a common man or a common woman. What a great opportunity. God wants to use you today. So repent and believe the gospel and believe this message and believe this task that Jesus has given us. Now let's address the the idea or the, the phrase the common phrase, I do not feel called to mission. My response to that, well, good thing that we do not rely on our feelings to direct our lives. Feelings are good. But if you simply take that and you say, I don't feel called to mission because I I, I want money or, or I want other things for my life, this isn't what the Lord wants. It's obvious to see that God wants to use us to, to live a life of mission, wherever that is, whether that's in Europe, whether that's uh, in, in Australia or Africa or Asia or any other continent, South America, North America, right down the street from where you are, God is calling every single one of us to a life of evangelism, to a life of preaching the gospel, okay? And so 
rather than saying, I do not feel called to mission, you need to be asking yourself, how am I called? Because God is calling every single one of us. And so rather than saying, I don't want to do that, you need to be asking yourself, believer, Christ follower, what does God want? I'll never forget when I had this amazing opportunity to sign to a label in Nashville with my best friends, with my buddies, musicians that I had been working with for years. We finally made it. We finally were going to sign to a record label, a big one in Nashville. And so I began to fast and pray after I did the 10-2 project. And rather than saying, God, I, I want you to make this plan work that I have. No, my prayer changed to, God, make my dreams and desires your dreams and desires. And my heart changed. And so I really want to challenge you listening today to pray that bold prayer. And your life may change drastically. It may, it may look like something that you never would have expected. And that's exactly what happened to me. It, it, it was something that I never expected, but I would not change this life that I have for anything today. It has built my faith more than anything ever would, more than any successful music career in the music business ever would, because I'm an ambassador for Christ. And this carries eternal value. Grammys will break. Awards and the approval of men will fade. But when I look Jesus in the face, I want him to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've obeyed what I asked of you. You preached my message. Now come and live with me for an eternity. So I'm going to read one more thing from the International Mission Board and their perspective on calling, okay? And it's titled, Calling is Not Mystical. Evangelical culture has developed a form of mysticism around the idea of calling. We expect it to come in the form of a vision, an audible voice, or even in the clouds arranging themselves into words in the sky. I've definitely wanted that in the past. It continues to say, we act as though Paul's experience on the road to Damascus in Acts 9 is the normative pattern for the missionary call. In the process, we discount the fact that many effective missionaries have been called to service overseas simply through the mundane processes of studying the word of God and learning about the need for the gospel around the world. That's basically the call of every missionary, you know, three or 400 years ago, they would just study the word and see that God's heart is to redeem the nations with his good news. Continue to read. At the same time, perhaps unconsciously, we've reinvented the medieval hierarchy of levels of calling with ordinary uncalled believers at the bottom, those called to be pastors next, and those called to be missionaries at the top of this imaginary spiritual ladder. What a powerful statement, this imaginary spiritual ladder, okay? It continues to say, many quote-unquote normal Christians excuse themselves from Christian service because they haven't had a dramatic call and they don't feel like super saints. <laughs> this is so good. All missionaries on furlough go through the experience of being put on a pedestal and hailed as heroes of the faith. It's all very flattering, but... Could it be that it is actually an act of avoidance on the part of the church members in the United States? After all, if Christians think that missionaries are heroic superstars set apart through a dream or a vision, and if that's never happened to them personally, then they're off the hook. I'm here to tell you today that you're not off the hook. Your calling is not mystical. 
Your calling is plain and it's right in front of you if you're a follower of Christ. So I hope that you get the message that it does, it, it's not just missionaries, it's not just pastors that are called to preach the message of reconciliation. And so now we're gonna to go to a practical approach of how to preach the gospel and how to share the good news. So Romans 10 verse nine, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. What's such, such an easy task, right? If we just tell people, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And we're gonna go through what the word Lord means in a bit. So verse 10, one believes with the heart, resulting in righteousness, and one confesses with the mouth, resulting in salvation. So you ask, why do we believe? Why do we confess? Well, it just says it right there. One believes with the heart, resulting in righteousness. So we are to pursue righteousness. And one confesses with the mouth, resulting in salvation. 1 John 1 verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness. And even in James 5, I think confession is so powerful. It talks about when you confess, it talks about you know physical healing. Confess your sins and you will be healed. It's so, there's so much power in confession and repentance, which is why Jesus says, repent and believe the gospel. So Romans 10 verse 11, continuing to read, for the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. And that's, that's in bold uh, in my Bible. Everyone who believes in God will not be put to shame. Verse 12, since there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, because the same Lord of all richly blesses all who can on him. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Verse 14, how then can they call on him they have not believed in? And how can they believe without hearing about him? And how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. This is amazing. Okay, so, so Paul talked about believing, right? So I looked up the definition of what it means to believe. So to consider to be true or honest. And so faith, it all comes back to faith in God, trusting God fully to be true or honest. For some like myself, this is all I have. I've only got hope in Jesus, right? And, and a lot of people say, you have to know, you can't doubt. No, I think that, that drives us to a bigger faith. I think faith is admitting that you don't know but yet you fully trust and you fully have hope in Christ. So I want you to be encouraged. In John 20, verse 29, Jesus says, blessed are those who have not seen yet believe. And if you remember, we read a scripture in John 20, verses 21, that says, peace be with you as the father has sent me, even so I am sending you. So, how incredible is that, that Jesus literally sends out his disciples and then after the fact says, blessed are those who have not seen yet believe. Because these people that are, that are receiving this message, this gospel, are not seeing Jesus. And Jesus knows that it's going to be a struggle. Jesus knows that faith is a struggle. That's why he told Thomas, that's why he walked through a wall and told Thomas to put his hand in his flesh. 
And Thomas fell down and worshiped him. And after the fact, Jesus said, blessed are those who have not seen yet believe. Now let's define Lord. Paul says in Romans 10 verse nine, that that first scripture that we read from Romans 10 in verse nine, it says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart, which we just talked about belief, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Let's define the word Lord, a master, a person possessing supreme power and authority, a ruler, a governor. So today I'm gonna ask you, when you say that Jesus is Lord, do you mean it? There's another podcast that I wanna recommend. It's uh, John Burns, the president of Greater Europe Mission. We have a podcast on, uh, it's entitled 10 to Breathe, Day 2, The Heart and the Mission of Jim. And he shares a story about, uh, he asked a woman, is it really hard to live a life of mission when you're away from home, et cetera, et cetera? And she said, no, because when I said Jesus is Lord, I meant it. And I really love that. I, re- I really honor that. I really value that because when I say Jesus is Lord, I mean it. When I say Jesus is Lord, I mean that he's my master. I mean that he's a person possessing supreme power and authority. I mean that he's a ruler and a governor over my life. Jesus can do whatever he wants. And that's what salvation is. Salvation is giving your entirety to who Jesus is, right? And so my next question is, do you know the gospel? And if you don't know what the gospel is, we have a podcast for that as well. It was released uh, about two episodes down. It's called, What is the Gospel? Go listen to it. And if you don't know how to share the gospel, we're gonna practically walk through how to do that right now. So there's a method. It's called Your Story, My Story, God's Story. So when we're talking to somebody, we, we wanna show interest in their life, right? We wanna show interest in their story. We listen, okay? We listen to their story. We don't try to correct them. We listen. We ask them who they are. And you'll be surprised, a lot of people open up. Some people will just say, you know what? I don't know you, get away from me, and that's okay, right? So successful evangelism is evangelism, right? So you listen to their story, and then you ask if you could share your story about what God has done in your life. You don't need a Paul experience. You don't need writing in the sky. That's what people want, right? Because we want that mysticism. We want to, we want to explain the mystery of God within our own story, so, but, but that doesn't always happen, right? If you grew up in church and you have a testimony of growing up in a Christian home, that is absolutely amazing. If you're in the Bible Belt, that's incredible that you had a church culture around you, even if it is lukewarm, even if it is lukewarm people or a church on every single corner. You grew up with the gospel being presented to you. If you've never had this story of, you, you ran away from the faith and then you went to prison and you killed a bunch of people or you were addicted on drugs or you were a leader of a gang and then the Lord saved you. That is an amazing testimony. I also want to say that an amazing testimony is you growing up in the church and being faithful your whole life to the Father. You were saved from your sin at an early age. And people in Europe, a lot of them don't know what that is like. Growing up in a Christian home, growing up with principles and statutes, and parents that love them well and, and who serve Christ, that is an amazing testimony. So share that and be bold in that. I want to encourage you. But also, if you do have a Paul experience, share that. Use that as a weapon against the enemy. Use your story. And so then after you share your story, you share God's story. You share the gospel. You share the good news. And I want to encourage you, if people reject the gospel, they are not rejecting you. They are rejecting the gospel. 
These people are not the enemy, okay? The evil within them is. So every person is made in the image of God. So we should view them as someone made in the image of God. Ephesians 6 verse 12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Okay, so let's redefine what successful evangelism is. Let's, let's redefine what successfully preaching the gospel is. Is it getting a response out of the person to accept Jesus right then and there? No. In Mark 10, verse 21 and 22, the rich young ruler rejected the message of Jesus. Was Jesus a failure in that? No. I want to say this to you, listening. Successful evangelism and successfully preaching the gospel is evangelism and preaching the gospel. Successful evangelism is sharing the gospel. Successfully preaching the gospel is preaching the gospel. It's not our job to save. God does the saving. We are just the ambassador. We are just the one who is sent. And we must be willing to be sent. So let's remember that preaching the gospel is not about saving souls. It's not about soul winning. It's not about a response or, or filling out a white card or filling out something that, that has a record of somebody saying, I'm saved so that we could pump up our ego. No. Mission and preaching the gospel is about the worship these new believers bring to our God. So when we preach the gospel, we must preach it with boldness. We must preach it with the desire to disciple afterwards. And we must preach it with a desire for them to respond. And we can believe for that response, but their response does not drive us to keep evangelizing and keep sharing the gospel. God wants to use us to plant seeds. God does the growth, okay? So I hope that this is an encouragement to you today. I hope that you are convicted, and I hope that you are encouraged that even if you are someone who, who has a quote-unquote ordinary job, or even if you're a pastor or a missionary, we are all called to preach the gospel if we claim Jesus as Lord. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this person listening. I thank you that they have the drive to want to preach the gospel, that they want to learn, that they want to love you with their mind. God, I pray for boldness for whoever's listening to this right now. Just like Peter in Acts 4, God, filled with the Holy Spirit, he preached the message of reconciliation in the gospel. I pray that people grow in knowledge. I pray that people grow in learning of who you are so that we can be better weapons for your kingdom against the powers of darkness, God. Let us love and see people like you see people. Let us cherish life like you cherish life. And God, let us be careful to give you every single bit of praise, every single bit of glory, because it's all about your son, Jesus. It's all about your kingdom. So God, we ask that your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven right where we are, as it is in heaven today. I ask these things in the name of Jesus. Be with us now. Amen. Thanks so much for listening. You've been listening to the 10-2 Podcast. We'll see you next time.